Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Grammar Girl here. This week, I have the winners of the National Grammar Day Haiku Contest. They're great. They're always great. And a meaty middle with tips for coming up with story ideas. And now, on to haiku. For the last few years, the American Copy Editors Society has held a haiku contest on Twitter for National Grammar Day. And I run the winners in my podcast because it's fun. Here's the winner from 2013, which is still one of my favorites. It's by Erica Okrent, who is a linguist and author of In the Land of Invented Languages. I am an error, and I will reveal myself after you press send. There's a little bit of a funny backstory behind the haiku contest, because I had wanted to do a haiku contest years ago, and I happened to be at a writing retreat with an accomplished, serious haiku poet. I mean, someone who had published books of real haiku. And I mentioned the idea to him, and he was horrified. Politely horrified, but he practically begged me not to do it. It turns out that what most of us learn in grade school about haiku is incredibly simplistic and is sometimes considered almost an affront to people who take their haiku seriously. From what I read afterward, a traditional haiku is almost always about nature and should also include some kind of juxtaposition. And that 575-syllable pattern many of us learned isn't even considered a hard and fast rule. So I was scared off the idea of running an ongoing grammar haiku contest. But then the American Copy Editors Society decided to do their contest. I warned them about the haiku issues, and they essentially said, heck with that, it'll be fun. And I'm glad they did. But I still felt compelled to add that little lesson so we all understand that there's a difference between the serious and traditional craft of haiku and our entertaining little game. Not to say that these aren't poems, too, but let's just call them a different genre. I've heard some people call these kinds of poems redneck haiku or modern haiku. And my explanation here is still probably simplistic. Haiku has a long history in both Japanese, where it started, and in other languages where it spread. So if you're interested, you should definitely read more, and I have a couple links in the article on the website. And without further ado, and that was a lot of ado, wasn't it? Here's this year's winning National Grammar Day haiku by Tom Freeman of London, who is snooze in brief at Twitter and runs the Stroppy Editor blog at stroppyeditor.wordpress.com. Verb would like to meet an agreeable subject to give compliments. 
And that's a play on words, because compliments in the poem is spelled with an E, which makes it a grammatical term, rather than being spelled with an I, which is the kind of compliment we usually think about giving, which is a type of praise. So the whole poem hinges on the clever juxtaposition of the two spellings and meanings of the word compliment. Verb would like to meet, an agreeable subject, to give compliments. Thanks to everyone who entered by using the hashtag GrammarDay on Twitter, and congratulations to Tom and all the runners-up. And now, here's the second-place winner in the haiku contest by Monica Sharman, who's Monica Sharman on Twitter and the author of Behold the Beauty. Edit in Latin means he eats or she eats. We devour your words. That was nice. And here's the third place winner by James Harbeck of Toronto, who is sesquiotic on Twitter. That's S-E-S-Q-U-I-O-T-I-C, and the author of Songs of Love and Grammar. Sentence fragments? Sure. And the more the merrier. Well, judiciously. I'll have the fourth place winner after the next segment, which is how to come up with story ideas, and is an excerpt from Zachary Pettit's book, The Essential Guide to Freelance Writing. It starts with a quotation from John Steinbeck. Ideas are like rabbits. You get a couple and learn how to handle them, and pretty soon you have a dozen. And another quotation from Ray Bradbury. That's the great secret of creativity. You treat ideas like cats. You make them follow you. And finally, one from Neil Gaiman. The truth is, it's not the idea. It's never the idea. It's always what you do with it. And now, here's Zach's excerpt. On the first day of my first newspaper job, I sat down at my desk and wondered what the heck I should be doing. I expected assignments. You know, the editor strolls over and says, write this or write that. But as I sat there, I realized I wasn't getting any assignments. You can see my dilemma. I had to write something. That's why I was being paid the princely sum of $10 an hour. Sure, I had the police beat. At that time, it entailed driving around to every local city and county station to collect crime reports, accident reports, and so on, and to look for anything that might tangibly make for a good story. But I didn't know what to write about. I went to my editor, who gave me a curious sidelong glance. I asked him what I should write about. He suggested I go over to a local auto parts store because they had just expanded. So I did. I wrote 200 words on it, but then I had to write something else. I contacted an old professor and lamented my cause. Frankly, I'm ashamed, he said. Why? I asked, stunned. Because you're a reporter. You're supposed to be out enterprise reporting. Did you learn nothing in school? Enterprise reporting. Basically, it means that you get off your butt, go out, and find a story. Once in a blue moon, good stories fall into your lap while you're sitting at a computer. The rest of the hunt is on you. So I went out. I saw a sign on the side of a quiet country road on my way to the police station. It said, Welcome Home. It had military insignias. So I found the family's phone number and called them up. What I got from them was an emotional and intense story that appeared in the paper the next day and I've been chasing things that could be interesting puddles of words ever since. It's funny, once you train your mind to be on the hunt for stories, 
you eventually have many more than you'll ever be able to write. I keep an idea folder in my phone into which I jot everything and anything, and a few persistent nuggets have been in there for years. Maybe one day I'll have time to write them. Coming up with ideas, good ones, sustainable ones, ones that readers want and editors salivate over, is no easy task. But it's not the hardest thing in the world either. Once you've identified your markets, the next thing to do is to get to know them intimately. That's why it often helps to pitch markets you're already familiar with and read regularly. Read at least one copy of the latest issue of your target market. If you're really serious, read three. Then ask yourself, what would readers of this publication want to read? It's time to get those wheels turning. Here are a number of exercises to get you started on your own ideation vacation and generate some solid article ideas. First, channel your expertise. What knowledge do you possess or could you find out that nobody but you could? What do you do in your day job that would fascinate people? What insights into a topic you're obsessed with would a broader audience eat up? Next, read large and think small. One easy trick of the trade reporters use is to observe what's big in the national media and then localize it. What national concerns are affecting your own town? The financial crisis was in the national news at one paper I worked for, and we put together a great series on all the abandoned big box stores in town. Is the keeping of wild pigs and the dangers thereof trending in the media? Did a guy just lose a toe to his pet cheetah? Find an exotic pet owner or vet in your area and interview her. The key here is to cover your subject in an honest and organic way that feels fresh, not like you're just riding the coattails of CNN. Also, think small and pitch large. Is a big story happening in your neighborhood that a much wider audience would be interested in? Pitch it. It could turn into a news story in a major outlet. Or it could be a narrative feature story in a magazine. There's a lot to be said for the writer who can spot unexplored potential in a simple news story and dig deeper to turn it into a full-fledged narrative. After reading an amazing feature in Wired magazine a few years ago, I emailed the writer to ask how the heck she came across such a crazy scoop. Her answer? She saw a blurb about it in her local newspaper and knew there had to be more to the story. It was called Flirting with Disaster by Nadia Labi, about an insane internet hoax that led to a murder, sort of like the original Catfish before the film Catfish. Next, keep your ear to the ground. It sounds obvious, right? The difference between a writer and a normal person is that a normal person says, wow, when they hear an amazing story. We say wow, too, and then our imaginations get to work figuring out what else there might be to the story, and if it's something worth digging into and sharing with a wider audience. So tune your ear and always consider what could be a story. This applies to any form of coverage, from a new restaurant coming to town to a career-making news story about a corrupt politician. Talk to people. Building up contacts is key to getting the stories to come to you. Of course, you should also read industry blogs and websites pertaining to specific niches. 
especially in realms like the science world, where there are oodles of sites that publish startling studies that nobody hears about until the right writer at the right general audience outlet finds them. Do some interviews and broaden the language for a wider readership, and you might have a great piece on your hands. Don't suppress your voice. Do you have a strong opinion about something? Write it down. If it's persuasive enough, there's a good chance you'll see it in print. And don't get caught in the past. Especially for newspapers and weekly markets, don't pitch recaps of past events unless they're still happening when the piece publishes. A concert review or a festival review, for instance. Editors generally don't want them because they look dated and don't serve a reader well. Instead, consider previews. A simple formula I've used time and again consists of looking at a calendar of upcoming events, identifying an interesting happening, and then reaching out to the organizer or media contact to find someone with an interesting angle or backstory that would make good fodder for a preview article of the event. For example, I wanted to write about an Appalachian festival that was coming to town. The organizer pointed me to a fascinating woman who'd been photographing coal miners and whose work was to be featured at the fest. But don't totally forget the past either. What are you passionate and knowledgeable about? I've always had a thing for film and theater, and I get a kick out of covering those areas. Events that'll be running for a while are entirely fair game to cover assuming a publication doesn't already have a regular critic assigned to the story. One good strategy is to reach out to the section editor in charge of those articles and offer your services. Should the regular be out of town, you may be on the call list, which means you'll snag the preview tickets to the show. Also, consider holidays. A cursory glance at the calendar can open up a wealth of ideas. Publications and websites, large and small, are always seeking timely holiday coverage. Again, the key here is to find a unique way into the topic and to avoid the same old tired story. Rather than simply writing about how a local park is going to have a massive annual holiday light display, why not write about the back-breaking work that goes into setting it up and the stats on the rigs? Rather than writing about how Santa's going to be at the mall again this year, why not interview the Santa, find out who he is as a person, and what makes him tick for a personality profile? I have become addicted to doing this over the years and have interviewed and profiled five or so Santas, all to spectacularly fun effect, and often spectacularly strange effect. As one Santa told me, the industry gets very competitive. I know other Santas who won't do parties and do exclusive mall work, and some are pretty pathetic and look like they just need a meal. Also, consider anniversaries. Dig into subjects that might have an anniversary year coming up. Your local opera house? A favorite film? There are a number of ways to cover anniversaries, from retrospectives to the where-are-they-now approach. The history of objects and art pieces merit books of their own because so much blood, sweat, and tears went into them, and many haven't been properly documented. You can also haunt the archives. Many museums and city libraries maintain exhaustive local archives that you can check out. 
Some will require you to break out the microfilm, and others, especially newspaper archives, will often be digitally accessible through the library's website. My advice, open the archives at random and see what you find. Remember that everybody has a story bit that Steve Hartman used to do on the CBS News, where he'd throw a dart at a map and then go there and pick someone from the local phone book to interview? Archives are a lot like that. Dig in and you'll find a cache of forgotten stories, ones that you can resurrect and follow up on to great effect. You can also capitalize on your own struggles. Brainstorm the hurdles you've recently overcome. Did you just quit smoking in an outside-the-box way? Did you just successfully overcome installing a new doorframe, even though you have practically no Mr. Fix-It skills? Did you just get married and pick up some vital tips and tricks of the wedding trade? Don't let your wisdom go to waste. Capitalize on it and share it with others. Endless publications publish how-tos from expert business-to-business outlets to consumer magazines and newspapers. I once wrote a how-to about how to get pulled over, featuring advice from the cops. Unfortunately, I was a staff writer at the time, so it didn't help me pay for the speeding ticket that spurred the idea. Don't forget to keep an eye out for local accomplishments. Do you know someone who's published a book? done extraordinary mission work, pulled off an amazing or bizarre feat, or been named to one of those 20 under 30 lists. That could be a local or a national story. Finally, seek passion. In my experience, passion is at the heart of every good story. Every event, every community happening, every initiative, and every book has a wildly passionate person behind it, who went to the often monumental task of putting it together. Find that person. If you can get that person to open up, you just might have a heck of a good story on your hands. That excellent advice was an excerpt from Zachary Pettit's new book, The Essential Guide to Freelance Writing, included here with permission from Writer's Digest Books. Ask for it at your local bookstore or search for it online. That's The Essential Guide to Freelance Writing. And finally, here's the fourth place winner of the National Grammar Day Haiku Contest by Larry Kunz, K-U-N-Z, of Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, who is Larry underscore Kunz on Twitter and blogs at larrykunz.wordpress.com. She said, I love you. Her beau replied, I loved you. Then the time passed. Tense. Sometimes it's easier to read poetry because you can see the punctuation and spellings. And if you want to read the haiku contest winners, you can find them all on the winning haiku article at quickanddirtytips.com, and where you can also find hundreds of other grammar and language articles. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. If you want to add your language haiku to the mix, you can still tweet it. Use the hashtag GrammarDay or tag me, my handle is GrammarGirl, and I'll look for them, and maybe I'll run more in the podcast in the future. And I'll put all the links I've mentioned in the show notes that you should be able to see on your device. That's all. Thanks for listening. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, 
jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.